All right, so tonight we're going to talk about a uh, topic that can be very difficult for couples to talk about. We're going to talk about sex. So, wow, somebody's excited. Great. If you're excited, move down front. We've got a lot for you. So I'm Robert Green, and this is my lovely wife, Linda Sue. We are empty nesters um, who got married on St. Patrick's Day in 1984. The good thing about getting married on St. Patrick's Day is I got to change my last name to Green. So I'm sure you're wondering in this picture who's the guy that she married. And uh, as George Costanza once said, what you see here are the remnants of a once proud civilization. So now I'm smiling really big in that picture. And why am I smiling big? Because just like every guy, I know the honeymoon is coming but the start of my married sex life would immediately hit a speed bump. So when we got to Maui, we headed straight to the pool, and I put on oil like I'd always done. But evidently, the sun in Maui is quite different because what normally would have been a tan turned into a major sunburn. Yeah, she kind of looked like this uh, picture. Red as can be, I had to rub aloe vera all over her body, but I could not touch her, if you know what I mean. And after her fever broke, we had a great time, but it was touch and go for a while. So our only claims to fame is that I'm a graduate of the Fighting Texas Aggie class of 1982. Whoop. Oh, thank you all. And for four years, Linda held the career record for free throw percentage at the University of Louisiana in Monroe. So we... Yeah. We are minor celebrities, okay? <laughs> so, look, it's our privilege to work with uh, a lot of couples and re-engage uh, through foundation groups, some of our other ministries here at, at Watermark, and we're seeing more and more couples who struggle sexually, and we know this can be an area of significant pain, um, and please know that you can find healing uh, through this journey. And tonight, we want to talk about one very specific scenario where one spouse has a higher sex drive than the other. So we'd like to start by sharing our own story in this area and then share some things that have helped us. I spent about 13 years of my life living in rebellion against God. I came to a saving faith in Jesus when I was nine and had godly parents um, who taught me God's word about marriage and sex, but I didn't live consistently for the Lord and pursued the things of this world, especially when I got to college where poor choices led to inappropriate relationships. I'd sent, I saw that the way I lived brought um, nothing but heartache, guilt, and shame. But by God's grace, I came to understand that all my sins were covered by what he did for me on the cross. And as I went forward, my desire was to please the Lord because I've learned that that's where peace and blessing are found. So I also placed my faith in Jesus at an early age. I remained a virgin until we married, but had plenty of, of sexual promiscuity, especially in high school. And I learned about sex primarily from culture. In my church, we were taught to stay away from sex, uh, that only bad things can happen until you get married. So as a firstborn kid, I complied, um, but it was a daily struggle against my hormones um, and often resulted in masturbation. So I could not wait to have legal sex. And I was really looking, I, I was not really looking forward, though, to getting married until I met Linda in 1982. And so after she beat me in a free throw shooting contest, I knew she was the one. And we married 18 months after meeting. And that kicked off phase one in our sex drive story. Now, to be honest with you, 
This whole talk started out on a napkin at a restaurant. We started drawing on the napkin a picture of our journey, which we're going to show you in this chart. It's a little corny, but we think it's going to help convey the story. So the pink line depicts my sex drive and the blue, Robert's. So during this phase, our desires were in sync and we had a robust sex life. <laughs> She practiced that. <laughs> I was encouraged to do that. <laughs> As young marrieds, we were in a church where sex was never really um, talked about. So our own experiences were our guide, and we were having fun. It never really dawned on us that other couples um, struggled with sex. So even though I'd felt guilty, I had felt guilt and shame for my past sexual sin, I knew my sins were covered, and by God's grace, I was able to go into marriage feeling a freedom in sex that I had, didn't previously have. In 2008, we entered phase two. This is when menopause hit, and I wasn't sure what was going on. Sorry, I think we missed it. Um, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't think, had no energy, and my sex drive completely disappeared. And I, I didn't want to hurt Robert but I didn't know how to handle it, so I began to avoid situations that would trigger his desire, like getting dressed at the same time. I was working with my doctor, trying to find something that would help me, but nothing was working. And then my dad died suddenly, and I found myself overwhelmed with grief, which only added to my struggle with menopause. So uh, during this time, Linda was sometimes avoiding me, which made her feel bad, and I didn't really know why, and neither did she. So we were not quite sure what to do. So I started adjusting my expectations. And while I was frustrated by it, I knew that she was grieving the loss of her dad, and I, I really just hoped she would snap out of it. So I hit 50 during this phase and started seeing the effects of midlife. So there was this slow uh, decrease in my sex drive. And in some respects, that was a blessing uh, because it helped me to lower my expectations regarding frequency. But, you know, during phase two, we were not in a desert. I mean, there were plenty of times of passion, just not with the frequency we had once enjoyed. I mean, for example, on our 25th anniversary, we had a fun time in car number 23 on the mile-long Whistler <laughs> gondola. <laughs> well, okay, at least we showed restraint to skip car 22 that had the glass bottom. <laughs> oh, help me. Okay. <laughs> a couple of things happened in 2010 that led us to phase three. First, I decided to try hormone replacement therapy. After trying a few options, I found a combination that did wonders for my energy and sex drive. I received treatments a few times a year, and as you can see from the chart, that every time I receive a treatment, it has an immediate impact on my sex drive. Secondly, I grew in, dependence, in my dependence on the Lord. I had attended um, Watermark's Equipped Disciple Bible Study Program, and I dived into God's Word, and I learned to read and pray and journal the Word and through the Psalms, and this was a critical time for me because when our sex drives flipped, there were occasions when Robert didn't seem to desire me, and I would, have to, I would start believing lies that I was not desirable. 
and I would question my body image. But because of my time in God's word, I had the tools to fight these lies. I was reminded that God tells me what he tells me is true, that I'm made in his image and that he loves me. So today I can tell you that our sex life is better than ever. I mean, there are times and we were not as in sync as we were, you know, back in phase one, but because we have each had seasons for uh, being on the high and low side, we better understand each other and really have uh, more compassion for each other. So what we want to do tonight is just leave you with four things that we learned through this journey. And we don't know where you are, and these things may not have all the answers for your specific situation, but these are some things that we've learned that were helpful to us and we've seen be helpful to others. So the first thing um, to remember is to communicate. So we had to learn how to talk about this, you know, and so must you. I, I totally understand how awkward this can be to talk uh, to your spouse for many of you in this room about this topic, but this is important, okay? It is really important. If you're personally struggling in the area of sex or your expectations are not being met, you must tell your spouse, even if you do not know what is happening, which was often our case, it will be helpful to let your spouse into your struggle. By not discussing it, you open the door to misunderstandings between you, and uh, you actually deny your spouse the opportunity to love you if you keep it to yourself. You know, look what Paul said in Galatians 6.2. He said, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So give your spouse that opportunity. So when Robert would want to talk about this topic, I would often take it personally. So if your spouse comes to you and wants to talk about it, Listen compassionately and with an open mind. Hear their point of view. It surprised us at how often one of us would be reluctant to discuss it, yet the other was thinking almost the exact same thing. Each time we talked about sex, it became easier to discuss the next time, and tools like the re-engage lesson on communication helped a lot. We have also learned that as awkward as it is, was for me, it's important to communicate what you like sexually. It was hard for me to share what I liked because Robert helped me understand that I wasn't being selfish because it was important to him to please me. In a marriage where both spouses are focused on serving each other, this is actually a way to love each other. So number two is don't pressure. So this is primarily for the spouse with the, with the higher drive of the two. So when Linda hit menopause and her desire changed dramatically, I quickly learned that pressuring her for sex was not a good idea. So I tried asking nicely, like I might say, hey, feeling frisky today? And uh, <laughs> that would often make her feel guilty and put a damper on the evening. And another tip, if she's crying and you're comforting her, don't try to turn that into a sexual encounter. <laughs> So look at Paul's words in Philippians 2. He says, look, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. We are called to mutually serve each other. Pressuring your spouse to meet your needs is not serving them. We have found that a better way is to go back to number one and discuss this in a way that honors your spouse. So there were times when I found myself frustrated, and that's when expressing those frustrations to God and asking him to change my heart, allowing him to work in me made a big difference. I found that my focus would change away from my needs. 
One of the things that helped me a lot was trying to see the situation through Robert's eyes. So think for a moment about, how, about what you would do if your sex drives flipped. If you became the one on the low side, would you be encouraged if your spouse related to you the way you are relating to them now? If not, what will you do to change that? So the number three thing to take away is don't withhold. So this is primarily for the spouse on the lower end with a lower drive. Um, this is the spouse that is in the position of power. So when my desire is lower, I control the frequency with which we have sex. So how is a Christian in power supposed to act towards those under them? So consider the words of Jesus in Mark 10, 42 to 44. He says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So I am to serve and that includes my spouse. You know, please remember, your spouse does not have another sexual outlet. You are it. And some spouses just don't understand how much of a physical need this is for their spouse. I think Paul understood this when he counseled couples in Corinth. He says, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. So do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So when we marry, we give our bodies as a gift to our spouse. And it's important that we don't take that gift back, even when de the demands of life get hard. Sex starts in our minds. So when thoughts like, I don't want to have sex, come into my mind, I try to apply the 2 Corinthians 10.5, that we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. When I surrender that thought to God, he will replace it with the desire to serve my spouse. I must choose to change my attitude and give unselfishly and allow God to work. Then once my attitude changes, then I can focus on ways to make sex work. So when I was exhausted from nursing babies and toddlers running around and are dealing with menopause, and sex was the last thing on my mind, I had to find ways to be creative. So some of those ways were scheduling time for sex. A quickie works great. And then when intercourse is not an option, there are plenty of other ways to pleasure your spouse. Plenty. So <laughs> number four is to share. So look, if you're struggling, it's really wise to bring others into the conversation. So this may be really difficult. Look, if it's hard for you to talk to your spouse about it, can you imagine talking to somebody else about it? So break it in with your spouse first, okay? Now, at Watermark, the first place that we would encourage you to go would be to your small group members, guys with guys and girls with girls. So let them be the ones to help you decide next steps to take. Now, if you're not in a small group in your church, if you don't go to Watermark, your reengage group would be a good place to start this conversation. 
Remember Proverbs 15, 22. You hear us quoted a lot around here, but plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, uh, they succeed. It will be helpful to have others around you because this can be really complicated. Um, sexual desire can be affected by all kinds of things. There might be something medical going on with you, so a next step might be to consult a medical professional. For me, hormone replacement therapy obviously made a big difference. For some couples, there's pain involved in sex and um, physical pain, and this should be shared with the doctor. So you may have something spiritual going on. When you share with your group, ask them to take a look at your spiritual life because it is closely tied to your sex life. Are you trusting the Lord with everything, including your sex life? Perhaps there are some areas of your life that you still need to submit to him. And if sexual abuse is part of your story, we have a ministry here at Watermark that can help. And we urge you to seek help for that. And then if you are involved in porn, we beg you to seek help because it will impact your intimacy greatly. So just to wrap this up, um, so we thank you all for, for hanging with us tonight, but four things, communicate, don't pressure, don't withhold, and share. Or to put another way, if you take those don'ts out, replace it with serve. So communicate, serve, and share. We want to be crystal clear about one thing tonight. You should leave here with a desire to better serve your spouse. You know, guys, if you leave here tonight and all you heard was that your wife should not withhold sex, you have totally missed the point. Okay, ladies, if you leave here tonight and all you heard is your husband should stop pressuring you for sex, you have missed the point. Um, you must talk about this and come to a place where you are serving one another. Okay? And please understand, if you make changes, maybe based on what you heard tonight, and start talking about it, and things do not improve immediately, don't be discouraged. This may take some time. That's why we encourage you to share and get some friends around you that can encourage you on this journey. And look, friends, God wants us to enjoy this incredible gift. I mean, he wrote a whole book of the Bible. Go read Song of Solomon's, and he dedicated that to sex. So if you'd like to dive into this topic a little bit more, we've got some great resources on the website, so we encourage you to look there. And if you would like help navigating how to talk about this with your spouse or have questions about anything we've discussed, man, your leader would love to help you. And they can easily get in touch with us if they think there's anything we can do to help. So thank you for letting us share with you tonight.